So it's Trinity Sunday. We get to talk about the theology of the Trinity. Triune God. That theology is one of the most difficult to understand, much less to try to articulate in a sermon. On uh, Tuesdays in Little Rock at St. Mark's Episcopal Church, there's always a gathering of a few clergy to talk about the lectionary for the coming Sunday and to share sermon ideas and hash out you know, issues or questions or problems. It's a very open environment, very rich discussion. Um, and I, I go, I went this, this past week and I've gone many, many times. I even go on Sundays when I don't have to preach. The discussion is that good. Um, and this past week, my dear friend Patricia Matthews, who many of you know, came in. I was, she came in behind me and I sat down, she sat down. She said, oh, good. We can get into some good theology discussion about the Trinity today. Which we did. But the thing about trying to talk about Trinitarian theology is the longer you go, especially with like people who are new to the ministry or in seminary or something like that, you've got all these ideas, but the farther you go, the closer the edges of heresy seem to come. And especially when we're trying to talk about three in one in terms of God. Now, there's a laundry list of heresies that have been disproven or cast off or forgotten. Um, modalism, Arianism, partialism, adoptionism. We're not going to talk about any of that today. A, because they're heresies, and B, because they're heresies. If you're interested in all that, you can go look it up. <laughs> because the true Trinitarian relationship is described by Jesus himself in John chapter 14. I am in the Father, and the Father is in me, and the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, the Father will send in my name. We could spend hours, days, years, millennia even, talking about the theology of the Trinity. What, is, what it ultimately boils down to is a relationship. It is a relationship originating, continuing, and emanating from love. Capital L, love. All that said, one of the most useful metaphors for describing the Trinity is that of a dance. And it, I didn't really understand the concept of the Trinity until I thought about it in those terms. And we were learning words in Iona about like perichoresis, which is the Greek word for that kind of circular dance. 
You may be familiar with Father Richard Rohr's book, The Divine Dance, which to me is kind of the seminal work about Trinitarian theology. The subtitle is The The Trinity and Your Transformation. In it, Father Richard describes this relationship as a flow. I love that. A radical relatedness. A perfect communion between three. A circle dance of love. The Holy One in the form of three, in infinite hospitality and utter enjoyment between themselves. He continues, if we take the depiction of God in the Trinity seriously, and we do, we have to say, in the beginning was the relationship. And sometimes it's so easy to live in relationship with God. Think about the times in your own life when you feel closest to God. It might be in the beauty of nature, maybe when the flowers bud out in the spring, the gentle flowing of a stream when it's not overflowing its banks, the warmth of love between friends, both old and new, the feeling of satisfaction in a job well done or a task completed that helps someone. And we move easily in that dance. And we are glad to do so. The world is ours. We belong to Christ, and Christ belongs to God. But you know, things don't always flow quite so smoothly, especially these days. There are so many things that work against that flow of the dance that cause a disconnection. Political corruption, ecological devastation, war, hatred based on race, gender, religion, sexual orientation. This disconnection may be not only from God, but also from ourselves, from each other, and from the world. We take ourselves out of the dance and end up sulking against the wall, sore and moody and sullen like angst-ridden teenagers. And we're afraid to look up for fear that someone may try to engage us, ask us to rejoin the dance. What we forget is that it isn't always just someone who is reaching for us to rejoin the dance. It's God. It's the relationship between God and Christ and the Holy Spirit. And it seeks to include us. From the beginning, Wisdom tells us in today's Proverbs reading, she was there with God from the beginning. And what were they doing? Delighting in the human race. God doesn't need us. God wants us. 
wants us. He wants us to be a part of that unity. In our catechism, the answer to the question, what is sin, is the seeking of our own will instead of the will of God, thus distorting the relationship with God, with other people, and with all creation. The answer to the question, how does sin have power over us, is that we lose our liberty when our relationship with God is distorted. When we remove ourselves from the dance, for whatever reason, we stop the flow moving through us and with us and in us. We harden our hearts. Or we hold someone apart in hatred or fear. We stop being attuned to giving and receiving. We refuse to be vulnerable. So let me tell you a little Father's Day story. My parents divorced nearly 50 years ago. Yes, I was one of the first in my class to go through it. I was 10 years old. And honestly, my father broke my heart. And I carried the shards of that breakage for a long, long time. Each time I would see him or talk to him, a sharp edge would nick my heart all over again. Over time, I guess some of those shards kind of dulled to the point that they really couldn't hurt me anymore. But I still carried this hard ball of resentment deep in my heart. My father is 83 years old now, a little frail, although he won't admit it, and struggling with some health issues. As the one child who's local, I've tried to help out by joining in appointments and other things to give his wife a break. And back in March, he spent a few days in the hospital with pneumonia. Dutiful daughter that I am, I went to visit and help as I could. One evening, he and I were alone in the hospital room. I was getting ready to leave. And I just have to tell you, I think there is no place less conducive to leave-taking than a hospital bed. IV poles and monitors and bed rails and a short stature do not assist in making goodbyes easy. And Dad's never been one for really mushy stuff anyway. Anyway, I maneuvered myself kind of to the head of the bed and I took hold of one of his hands. And I leaned over and sort of rested my cheek on his forehead. Because you have to get kind of close to him when you talk because he doesn't hear very well. And in that moment, the most remarkable thing happened. 
I felt that hard ball of resentment that I had carried for so long melt away. And I was so surprised by that feeling that I actually said, oh. And then the truest prayer I have ever prayed came out of my mouth, full of thanksgiving for this beloved child of God holding my hand. I am sure the Holy Spirit was there with us, at least with me. You know what it was doing? Guiding me back into the flow of the dance that I had avoided for so long. I don't really know if it had any impact on my father or not because we haven't spoken of it since. But I know it changed me profoundly. It restored me to a relationship of love that I hadn't known in its fullness for 50 years. Father Richard also speaks of the meaning and importance of vulnerability. Being open and undefended does open us up to wounding and pain. The Latin word, the root for wound, is in fact the root of the word vulnerability. It's boldness. But it also lets us participate freely in the dance of the Trinity. A couple of weeks ago, my friend the Reverend Carol Mead presented a talk at the Episcopal Church Women's Summer Quest weekend at Camp Mitchell. I leave you with a quote she shared from her mentor, the Reverend John Stone Jenkins. We have all eternity to get our theology right. We have only this moment to be Christ to the other. Don't let those moments pass you by. Amen.